0: Thanks for tuning in to the Durban Memorial Baptist Church podcast. We're a group of sinners saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and here you will hear the word of God. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a privilege to share the word of God with the saints of Durban Memorial Baptist Church. Today, we are beginning on what will likely be a three-week series through the book of Philemon with a particular emphasis on how our relationship with Christ influences our relationships with others. Now, this past week, it was Valentine's Day, and that's not a holiday that necessarily gets a whole lot of fanfare in my house, so I don't really... Intend this morning to go into the particulars of the holiday or the, 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 the background of it or anything like that. But I will say it is most definitely not a bad thing to set aside time to celebrate the relationship that God may have given you with your husband or with your wife. I would like to say that cultivating the relationship with my wife is at the forefront of my mind all the time. But sadly, that is not always the case. In fact, as we're beginning to talk about this idea of forgiveness this morning, it came to my realization that my wife is probably the human who I need forgiveness from the most egregiously and consistently. I'm not a sociologist, but I would guess that uh, most men are in a similar situation. Before we get into the particulars of forgiving others as seen in the book of Philemon this morning, I want to chase a rabbit here because I think it's important enough to chase. Husbands, we need to ask our wives for forgiveness. I know the ladies in here are listening right now. So fellas, I hope you're listening up too. Okay. If you're struggling in your marriage, if there is tension in your marriage, if there's coldness In your marriage, if things just aren't quite the way they should be, it is almost certainly your fault, husbands. This isn't to say that our wives are perfect creatures. They never make mistakes. That's not what I'm saying. But it is saying, husbands, this is your burden to bear. I'm saying God has designed marriage in such a way that husbands are to lead their families and cultivate their relationships with their wives. If you want to change a marriage, change the man. So men, I'm calling us this morning to own up to the calling of our manhood. And I'm not just grasping at straws here. I'm going to lay a foundation here in scripture that husbands have a responsibility woven into creation. God made man and placed him in the garden, right? And then he gave Adam a twofold command. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time here, but I think this is important. The Lord God took the man, took Adam and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. God gave the first man, God gave Adam the mission of working and keeping the garden. He was to cultivate and to guard the garden. That's what those words mean. And this isn't just poetic language. It was an immense responsibility entrusted to the first man. And men, we all draw our ancestry back to that Adam. Part of being a man is being entrusted with the uh, responsibility to cultivate your garden, the area in which God has placed you, to guard your garden. To be a man is to know God put you on this planet to protect life and cause it to flourish. God called Adam to cultivate in the garden. Adam messed it up, if you want to spoil the art of Genesis chapter three. Adam messes up. God calls men now to cultivate and to guard. And we mess up. We mess up. After God gave Adam his job, he then gave Adam his wife. What would Adam have known to do with this Eve placed in front of him? What would he have known to do with this beautiful creature, this wonderful gift placed in front of Adam? he would have known to cultivate and to guard her. That's what he failed to do when Eve was tempted by the serpent. He stood by, he watched. Instead of actively pursuing and protecting his bride, he stood there on the sidelines. Men ever since have been falling into the same folly. Whether it's intentional or not, we stand on the sidelines when we should be pursuing and protecting Our brides. Now, I've already said this, but today's sermon is not primarily going to be a sermon on marriage. But I bring this up for a couple of important reasons. Number one, a primary purpose of the church is to spur one another on to love and good works. I hope that this brief look at the husband's job of cultivating and protecting the marriage will accomplish that. That it will be an encouragement to spur on in love and good works. We should not be ashamed of promoting healthy, God-honoring biblical marriages, no matter what the occasion is. But I also bring this up because today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And I'm going to challenge every husband Hearing this sermon, whether you're with us here in person, watching online, listening to podcasts, I don't know. I'm going to challenge you to do something out of the ordinary. I'm challenging every husband this week to take your wife on a date and say two words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Make time to confess a list of the ways you've hurt her. You failed to cultivate and to guard her. Ask your wife's forgiveness and ask God's forgiveness. Cultivate a new habit of being the first person to say, I'm sorry in your marriage. This can only be done through God's grace and power. So rely on God's strength and not your own. But I am seriously actively challenging you to do that this week. Marriage is not the only way to glorify God. There are many who serve in magnific- magnificent ways while remaining single, but if you are married, cherish your marriage. Take it seriously and joyfully. One way we do that, men, is by owning our faults and actively seeking God's grace and improvement in our lives and in our marriage. I hope all husbands take me up on the challenge this week. Those two words can be quite hard to say. I'm sorry. But, The truly repentant heart does not hide from owning the weight of its shortcomings. On the flip side of this introduction, we're going to be spending the bulk of our time today looking at the character of someone who is empowered by the grace of God to extend forgiveness So, fellas, if you complete that challenge this week that's been extended to you, it's my hope that your bride will be prepared to receive your words and to extend forgiveness. It's my hope that as a church, as a whole, we would be filled with repentant people and forgiving people. May the grace of God that we have received exude from us and through all of our relationships. Within the church, within the home. In the work for us. May the grace of God exude. Amen. With that said, would you turn in your Bibles to Philemon? Philemon is often overlooked in the New Testament. It's a book that isn't often preached out of uh, by my understanding. Often pastors skip over this book. I found it interesting. I use a variety of sources when preparing a message, but an online commentary that I consult quite a bit uh, goes verse by verse through the Bible. Didn't even have a section on Philemon. This week, Uh, And so why is it that this little book is overlooked? Well, is it because of its short length? I mean, the entirety of the book of Philemon is less than 350 words long. Well, we shouldn't let length be a standard of worth. Others may disregard the book because they see it as pertaining to something that we no longer deal with. That being the relationship between slave and master. But that didn't stop us from learning from the book of Colossians just a few weeks ago, nor should it. Others write off the book of Philemon because they say it's Paul handling this very personal situation between a guy named Philemon and another guy named Onesimus. And it may have been good and instructive for that situation, but it doesn't pertain to the church as a whole. Well, I hope that for the next three weeks or so, I hope that as a church, we'll see the immense profitability of a little book like Philemon. God has preserved this word and brought it to us today for a reason. It certainly does deal with personal issues between Philemon and Onesimus, but through this relationship, we are blessed to see the application of God's grace in action. We'll be encouraged to extend forgiveness to those who have wronged us because we have received the the highest forgiveness from the highest authority for the highest of offenses. (laughs) Let's begin now working through this letter. We're going to start with the introduction in verses 1 through 3. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Ephiah, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In this greeting, we're introduced to the primary recipient of this letter. It's Philemon. Along with this cast of characters, along with him, he's primary writing to Philemon. But before we get more into the specifics of him, I want to walk through these other people that are mentioned in the greeting. First, we see Paul describing himself as a prisoner for Christ Jesus. Paul is emphasizing the humbled position that he's in at this moment. This dude is in prison right now. He's under house arrest as he is writing this letter. And so he mentions that writing to Philemon to let Philemon know that this letter is being written with a tender affection of a humbled friend. Rather than the order of an apostle speaking down upon Philemon. We'll see next week that Paul could have used his authority uh, to force Philemon's hand, but that's not the intention of the letter. We are reading through healthy, open dialogue that is uplifting within Christendom. This is a cool thing to see healthy church interaction in a difficult situation. We should be able to take this and seek to model this in our own dealings, in our own disputes. Then Timothy is mentioned. Timothy may have been the secretary recording the letters. He may have been the one who was writing down the stuff for Paul as he was dictating the letter. Or he could have simply been included because Timothy is there with Paul. Paul is mentoring Timothy, teaching him about how to to work in ministry. And Paul wants the churches to know that this Timothy guy is going to be trusted with spiritual matters. You can trust him if he comes and talks to you. Timothy is identified as our brother. Brother. He's a brother. This shows the familial bond between those who belong to Christ. It's unknown uh, how much Philemon knew of Timothy, how, if they had been together before uh, for a long amount of time. But it's possible that Paul met him when they were preaching in Ephesus. So then if you skip over Philemon, you'll see his family. Apphia is considered to almost certainly be his wife. Archippus believed to be their son. And then the church uh, is meeting in their home. You see there at the end of verse two. It's good to note here, especially if Archippus was Philemon's son, as many believe it to be. Calling Archippus a fellow soldier shows the commitment to ministry that there is within that household. It is a house where a church meets. It's a house where the people within it serve the Lord. Philemon's house was not only a family home, and it was not only a church house, but both. And it was so full of workers for the kingdom of God, which is an awesome thing. This personal to Philemon and then familial, when you bring in Apphia and Archippus, and then corporate greeting sets the stage that even though that this letter is particularly addressed to Philemon, it has intention and application to the church at large. That saying and the church in your house as the greeting there says this is to be written or read, excuse me, to the church as a whole. Paul's reference to the church suggests he doesn't regard this communication with Philemon as a purely private matter, but rather as related to how all Christians live their lives in Christian community. To put that into practical application. We. We. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, better listen up to what God is saying through the words of Paul to the heart of Philemon. It has application and worth to us as well. All those saved by grace through faith gladly receive that greeting in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God the Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remainder of our time this morning, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7 and break down the character of Philemon. But before we get there, Paul is spending those verses explaining what he knows about the way the Lord has impacted Philemon's life. Next week, we're going to go into a deeper dive of the details between Philemon and this guy named Onesimus. You might remember him. We we talked about him just a, a couple of weeks ago when we were finishing up Colossians. But for our purpose this morning... You need to know three things about Philemon. Three things that set the stage for what we're going to get into. First, Philemon was deeply wronged by Onesimus. Nowhere in scripture are we given any indication that Philemon provoked Onesimus. We aren't shown any signs of this guy Philemon doing anything abusive or overly authoritarian in scripture. Second... Every evidence we have following the book of uh, of Philemon is that the man, Philemon, actually does extend forgiveness even when he didn't have to. Now, we're going to look at why he didn't have to give forgiveness more next week. But Philemon was not obligated to forgive from a cultural perspective, and yet he does. And number three, you need to know Philemon's life was transformed by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You need to know Philemon was a sinner in need of salvation and he found that salvation in Christ alone. You need to know that uh, because today we're looking at his character and we're going to look at all these wonderful things that are said about Philemon. It's the character of someone who's been forgiven and so now they can forgive others. But the intention this morning is not for any of us to puff up Philemon onto some spiritual pedestal. Rather, the intention this morning is to see how Christ can change and mold our character as well. We shouldn't leave here this morning thinking, man, geez, that Philemon, he was such a great guy. We shouldn't leave here thinking that. We should leave here this morning thinking, geez, that Philemon has such a great God. And we do too. I have the same God. That same Christ that lives in him lives in me. The same Christ that empowers him empowers me. I can strive to show godly character in my life that is identified like that in Philemon here because Christ Jesus lives in me and is shaping me in his image as we seek the things that are above where Christ is, as we put off the old self and put on the new as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, we should strive to have a character like that of Philemon, knowing that that is only possible by the power of Christ for the glory of God. If you struggle with forgiveness, don't focus on what the other person did to you. Focus on what Christ did for you. And how you can honor Christ in the way you live your life. When our lives are consecrated to the Savior, forgiving others is a bit easier because we've experienced ultimate forgiveness. So let's look at the character of one who has been forgiven. Starting now in verse 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Now, it should be noted As we look at that and we read this really glowing review, actually, of Philemon, Paul was never afraid to speak truth and to call out offenses in Scripture. He had no trouble calling out even the Apostle Peter when Peter was not acting as he should have. Many of Paul's epistles, these letters written to the churches, are very sharp in rebuking words to the things that are happening that should not be happening and the wrongdoing that's going on in there. Seeing Paul be so open with rebuke elsewhere in Scripture helps us see that this is a genuine assessment of Philemon. He's not just buttering someone up to get done what he wants to get done. This is a true testimony of the character of Philemon. Paul is spurring Philemon on in love and good works into service in the Lord by letting Philemon know that Paul's heard good reports of the things that he's done. The conduct and the service that he's done for the Lord. And within this, we see six godly characteristics that have been manifest in Philemon's life. These are characteristics that have come by the grace of God and through Philemon's experience of forgiveness from sin. And the Lord has providentially uh, given him these characteristics so that he could extend forgiveness to Onesimus. So let's look at these six characteristics of a godly person empowered to forgive those who wronged them? Number one is a concern for the Lord. If you keep your Bibles open, we're going to just kind of walk through this section together. It's noted in verses 4 and 5, Philemon has a great concern for the Lord. Paul writes, I thank my God for you, then later, because I hear of your love and of the faith you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God for you because I hear of your love and the faith you have towards the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not only the characteristic of someone who forgives others. This is the first and highest characteristic of all the redeemed. May it truly be said of you that you are clearly identified by your love and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. We love the Lord because he first loved us. The redeemed know that they are saved by grace through faith. They have been forgiven of their offenses by the Holy Father through their God-given faith in the Holy Son. And now they're propelled by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Everything in this life starts and ends with Jesus Christ. May it be the same for your identity. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have nothing. I know that's not good grammar, but that's just the way I talk sometimes. If you have Christ, you have everything. Everything. We often talk about the eternal hope for glory that Christ brings all those who believe in him. That is true. And we should sing songs about such things. We should be happy and celebrate about such things. But Christ makes an immediate impact on our lives as well. This happened for Philemon and it continues to happen today. One commentator noted that because the Lord had forgiven him, Philemon could forgive others. Conviction from the indwelling Holy Spirit and from the word of God would also provide the impetus for Philemon to do what was right. His unwavering faith gave Paul confidence in his willingness to forgive. When Christians understand that the forgiveness they have received from God and have the presence of the indwelling spirit and the direction of the word of God, we are empowered to forgive others. That begins with a deep concern for the Lord shown through faith and love in him. The second characteristic of a godly person empowered to forgive those who who wronged them is this, a concern for people. Paul not only says that he has heard of Philemon's love and faith for the Lord, but also in verse 5, it says that Philemon has love for all the saints. Philemon has a deep care for the body of believers. This is the natural concern of the redeemed. We know that when Christ saves us, we are being adopted into the family of God. Just recently, we talked about how we have more in common With our brothers and sisters in Christ, anywhere across this globe, pick a country, any country, you got a brother or sister in Christ over there, you have more in common with them than your next door neighbor who looks like you, talks like you, enjoys the same TV programming as you, and has the same hobbies as you. You have more in common with the person around the world who believes and is saved by the same God than the person who looks exactly like you and denies your God exists. The redeemed should have a deep love and affection for the body of believers. The redeemed are self-sacrificial for the rest of the redeemed. The redeemed are empowered by the Holy Spirit to love their heavenly kindred. That's what we have, a heavenly kindred. This great love between the sons and daughters of the kingdom helps us set the stage, the foundation for forgiveness within the kingdom. I know that there are often issues in earthly families, right? It's just a fact. Families fight. You can even see that all throughout Scripture. The first murder ever recorded in all of human history, brother-on-brother crime. But I also know that our familial ties draw us together in ways that we are often quicker to forgive the offenses of our siblings. May the ties of the Spirit, the heavenly kindred, May those ties be deeper even than the ties of blood. May our shared salvation empower us to forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ when the faults of the flesh have caused harm around us. I want to quickly make a side note of the Parallel nature there is between the first two characteristics mentioned here in the great command of Lord Jesus in Matthew 22, 37 through twenty two thirty seven through 39. he says and he said to them you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind this is the great and first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself the Christian life is built on the rock of Jesus Christ and straight from His mouth in the Word of God we see that we are to first love the Lord and from there love others may our lives be ordered accordingly to his command the third characteristic of a godly person empowered to forgive is this a concern for community Paul writes in verse 6 I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective now this is an interesting turn of phrase for the uh, or for the English reader excuse me When we hear sharing of your faith, our mind jumps to evangelism. Listen, it's not a bad thing to ever think about evangelism. To have that at the forefront of our mind, we need it there more often. But that isn't the primary meaning of this verse. Almost every English translation uses a different word there for sharing. I pray that the sharing... Of your faith, there. You'll see in different translations the communication of your faith. You'll see in other ones the participation of the faith or the participation in the faith or the fellowship of your faith. You'll see in various translations depending on which one you look at. This is one of those times in which it's really hard to have a one to one uh, English to Greek translation. The word in Greek refers to a mutual sharing of all life. Believers belong to each other in a mutual partnership produced by their faith in Christ. This directly uh, plays off of having a concern for people that we just looked at and it expounds upon it. Not only do we have love for the body, we share in the body. We share in commonality. We are together in the body. We put up with one another. We bear with one another. When you forgive another believer, no matter their offense, you are making a strong statement of the importance of fellowship and community within the body of Christ. Community is important. We must have a concern for community. Then the fourth characteristic of a godly person empowered to forgive those who wronged them. There's a concern for knowledge. Paul writes that he uh, prays for the Christian community Philemon is in. So that there would be, verse 6, a full knowledge of every good thing that is in us. This is a deep, a rich, a full experiential knowledge. As we live out our lives for the glory of God, we grow in our likeness to Christ. We see more and more of his goodness. We begin to scratch the surface of the depths of his mercy. We feel the steadfastness of his love when the winds of the world are beating down on us. In our sanctification, God is giving us opportunities to grow in Christlikeness. And this one for Philemon is going to be a big one. He has the opportunity to understand the forgiveness of God in a richer way by extending forgiveness to Onesimus. Every day you are presented with sanctifying experiences. These are opportunities for you to grow in your service to the Lord as you practice the truth of Scripture. You grow in knowledge, which is in turn growing you in spiritual maturity. And we should all have a desire to grow in knowledge, application, and experience of the word of God. Forgiving others is one of the ways the Lord allows us to do that. To grow in our likeness to Christ. The fifth characteristic of a godly person empowered to forgive those who wronged them is a concern for glory. At the very end of verse 6, verse 6. For the sake of Christ. All the growth, all the maturity is great, but what's it for? It's not for our own self promotion. It's not about me, but for the very glory of Christ. Everything the Christian does should be done for the sake of Christ. All of our goals, All of our aspirations in life should be crafted for the sake of Christ. May whatever we do in word or deed be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Someone who is devoted to giving Christ glory in all things would certainly be the same person who shows forgiveness to others because a cold and unforgiving spirit gives Christ no glory. There's a final characteristic of a godly person empowered to forgive those who wrong them. It is a concern to be a blessing. Paul writes, For I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon is a joy to the kingdom. He's a joy to the kingdom of God and to the saints that have been around him. He has refreshed them in his service to the Lord. Man, what a joy it would be to hear those words said of ourselves. Do you think that your character and your conduct is refreshing to the saints around you? Do you think that your character and your conduct is a blessing to the body? Is it uplifting? Is it spurring one another on in love and good works? Would others say they have been refreshed through your service to God? We should all desire to be a blessing to others. Not so that we can have a a book of the Bible named after us. Not so that we're put up on a pedestal. But so that when they look and see what we've done, they may look up at the God who empowered us to do it. That others may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. A specific way to be a blessing it's to extend forgiveness to the brother or sister who has hurt you. Talk about that. The saints have been refreshed through you. How refreshing is it to know that you've been forgiven? What a blessing it would be for our churches if people looked at each other and forgave. I know when I've harmed my wife, I pine For her to look me in the eyes and tell me it's okay. She loves me. A wife's forgiveness is a beautiful thing. But even that cannot compare to the immense beauty of the forgiveness extended by the Holy God to the repentant sinner. I like to show this graphic sometimes because it helps put everything into a visual way. In our sin. We are separated from the perfect holy God and stuck in brokenness. Our sin is an affront to his holy nature. He is so righteous. He is all righteous in that he cannot, will not tolerate sin. And so we're stuck over here in brokenness land trying to figure out a way out, knowing that it's not right, looking at the world around us, looking at ourselves inside ourselves, knowing it's not right. Knowing that we're broken. And God, in his great love, while we were still sinners stuck in brokenness, sent Jesus to live a perfectly righteous life. And to die on a cross to be a perfectly acceptable sacrifice so that through Christ, through the power of the blood, all those who repent of their sins, turn away from their sins, believe in Jesus and confess him as Lord of their lives, seeking to show that godly character we talked about today because of the grace of God. All those who repent, believe and confess Jesus as Lord are forgiven. A forgiveness that goes beyond any earthly example of forgiveness. And when we forgive others, we're getting a little glimpse of the forgiveness of God. When we realize how bad they hurt us and we extend forgiveness, that's a little glimpse of how bad our sin hurts the holy God. How much His holy character cannot stand it. And yet, in our offense, Christ died for us. When we have Christ as our Lord, We are empowered to follow, obey, and grow in our Christ-likeness, being reconciled, forgiven by the perfect Holy God. If you understand that, live each day in response to the grace that you have received. And if you don't understand that, if you have questions about that, reach out today. I would love to talk to you about it. We have a time that's called a hymn of response. You can come forward. I would love to talk to you and set up a time to talk more about it later. But there is nothing better in all of existence than receiving forgiveness from God for the full weight of our sins. Respond today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. Lord, I pray that you are molding us in your likeness that we would seek to forgive others, not for ourselves to be put up on some spiritual pedestal, but because you have forgiven us. All those who call on your name, all those who know Jesus as Savior and Lord, who have received them as Christ, as Savior, as Messiah, as King. Lord, they experience your forgiveness. Or I pray that we would cherish that forgiveness, that what you have done for us would mold everything we do therefrom. But we know we still struggle with the flesh. We know that there are still times where it rears its ugly head, where we, in this battle before glory, still sin. Lord, I pray that in those times we would be drawn closer to you, that you would renew our repentance. or that if we sin against others, that we would ask for forgiveness, and that by the grace of God, forgiveness would be extended. Lord, we thank you for you. Embolden us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Derby Memorial Baptist Church Podcast. If you want to find out more about our church, you can check out www.durbanchurch.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can give us a call or text to 859-813-0369. Also, you can shoot us an email at brad at durbanchurch.org. Have a wonderful day and God bless.